This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 214. My name is Brian Vincent Weber, and I'm here with David Eden Sangwell. Hello, Hello sir. Again. Yeah, you're quite frequent guest yeah, on the show. I which think is this awesome. Is three feet? Something yeah, like that. Well, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, we talked we talked about uh, sustainability because you talked about that on your Bartender HQ yes. podcast, uh, which I wanted to talk about. But uh, first, I'm so excited to uh, talk about my lime juice. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you, uh, you were you were talking about what what is going to be the difference between is it hand squeezed and using one of those electric juices, right? That you kind of you you chop the lime in half and you put it on top and then you hold a handle down and it spins. And that's what I was yeah, using in Dubai. Or, well, the one. The what the one we have doesn't even have a handle. You just hold it with your Whoa. hand, you know. But the thing spins and spins and spins. That sounds you know? like a health and safety disaster waiting to happen. I wear gloves. Oh, well, I'm fine gloves. then, as long as I made a chain mail or something. <laughs> uh, but um, no, no, it's uh, well, it's not, it's not too dangerous, I don't think. Good. But. Uh, but you know, I I do this. Um, I, I sort of sometimes I'll use the hand juicer, or but on the weekends I'll use this wearing uh, commercial mm-hmm. juicer, right? So I started to think, and I'm thinking like, well, you know, we always try to avoid the pith, right? When we're when we're dealing with mm-hmm. citrus, and well, we've got to be pulverizing a bunch of that pith when we're doing yeah. this, right? Yeah. Plus, when you use the hand juicer. You actually turn the lime sort of the other way, so you so it's sort of when you're done with it, it's the lime sort of inside yeah. out, right? So um, you must be getting a lot of that the oils from the zest when you do it that way. Where with the other method, the machine you get yeah, zero, I guess because you right? kind of you, you turn it inside out and, and kind of squeezing that out the same way you would if you're uh, squeezing a twist over a drink, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm like, you know, I started thinking about this, and I, you know, I've been thinking about it for a couple of weeks, but I finally got a chance to uh, do a little experiment. So I used uh, three different methods. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the number one is the uh, the barb juicer, like we yep. talked about, it spins around and around with a motor, and you hold the lime on top, and it squishes the heck out of it, and uh, the lime comes out looking all like uh, twisted up yep. inside, right? <laughs> the next method. I I um, took the zest off of the limes before okay. uh, cutting them and cutting them in half, and then I used my hand my hand okay. squeezer, right? So so I'm so this is my sort of control, like to see how much influence the zest actually has yeah. on the juice, right? Yeah. Okay. So then third method, cut them in half, use the uh, hand press with the zest still on there. They come out uh, looking yeah. inside out, and and the and the peel is uh, the the zest is pretty uh, pretty mashed up. Yeah, yeah, and actually. I I bet. At least thirty percent of bartenders out there are putting the lime in a hand juicer upside down as well. They're, they're putting because that's to. what it looks like it should do. <laughs> that's what it looks like. You know when I learned? You know where I learned? Was the it Bar Smarts or something? Jeff, no, it was from Jeffrey oh, Morgenthaler's okay. book. In the book, and then uh, the book. Oh the yeah, bar it's book. a great book. I've got my copy now on great. your recommendation. It's a great book. Unfortunately, in the UK, I can't get it from Amazon.com and and give you the credit. So uh, I had to get it from the UK one. But um, yeah. Uh, otherwise, I would, and everyone else out there, especially if you're in America, definitely click through one of Brian's links if you're going to Amazon.com to buy anything, and he'll get a little taste of that. It won't cost you a penny extra. A little bit. Enough to buy, uh, you know, some bread. Absolutely. There's your, there's your <laughs> Amazon plugs done for the show, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to get everything incorporated in the show, so I don't have to do any editing this today for a change. Super. <laughs> So I don't have time. Uh, so uh, all right. So back to the experiment. Yeah. Um, the the first thing we're curious about is the yield, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, I did 
Excuse me. I did uh, six limes each, so a total of eighteen with the three different cool. methods. The first, the first uh, method with the commercial juice juicer yielded six and a half ounces of juice after after fine straining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, so six and a half ounces. Second second method, no zest but hand pressed, five and three quarters ounces after uh, straining, Ooh. fine straining, and the number three, yeah. hand pressed yeah. with a zest. Five and a quarter. Oh, so the commercial so, one will make you more juice. That's what we're saying. That, but is the juice any good? That's a good ah. question. <laughs> You're a good co-host. I, I, I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I went through uh, several different uh, things here. I started with, uh, you know, like as you, if you were evaluating some whiskey mm-hmm. or something, um, I looked at the color. So number one, commercial juicer, I found had the darkest green and it looked a little okay. muddy. Number two... It was the palest of the three, okay. and and then number three had a green hue to it, almost like a little, almost like it was glowing. A now, just bit. out of interest, so, what order did you choose these in? Is it the order that you've mentioned them? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you think there will be any change of that due to being exposed to the air over time? Yeah, that's an experiment for yeah. another day, right? Just do the same <laughs> so, experiment, I guess, backwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, once we determine which method of juicing is, is the best, I guess the, the next trick would be to uh, juice it all, you know, at the same time yeah. it and, yeah. and then uh, taste it over a d- different period of time, right? <laughs> which I've actually done. I was in a um, course called the Bar Methods okay. course, and uh, we did a um, – we had – there was classes on everything, and it was kind of broken all the way down to like you know one class was on stirring, and one was on shaking, and one was on juices. And uh, so in the in the juice class, they actually did a, a blind tasting for us with uh, with this to see which you know okay. uh, some was aged longer than right. others. And um, yeah, well, Sasha Petrosky will tell you you know minutes. you got to use it within fifteen minutes. Um, others will say two to three hours is actually better. Yeah. Some people say that. Yeah, I've heard you know, that. And and then you know going twenty four hours is obviously out of the out of the question, right? <laughs> I mean, it's okay to open with, so, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Actually, it, it, so they did that blind tasting for us, and I actually I think I picked the one that was oldest as your favorite. Okay. Yeah, and you know, and it was a blind, a blind tasting, like you're saying. Right. You you brought up on Facebook that I should do this as a, a double blind tasting, which I didn't Absolutely. get a chance. Yeah, to do, you have to have a lot of friends what? to help that way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And other geeks, you yeah. know, they're interested that, that won't give you a funny look. You're like, you're doing what? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, what's it, what does it mean, double blind? Okay, so, so essentially, uh, like, because I'm kind of into skepticism and all that kind of thing and um, being quite rigorous. If I'm going to do an experiment, I want to be really rigorous with it. So, double blind basically means that uh, not only the person being tested, but the person administ- administering the test doesn't know which is the. Which is which, essentially. Ah. So say if you're doing uh, a medical experiment, for example, and you've got a placebo drug and a real drug, and you want to see which one is the most effective, the two drugs, uh, you'll have one group of doctors, for example, that would label placebo one and real drug two, and then they would give bottles that are just labeled one and two to someone else to give to the patient. Ah, okay. So that they're Mm -hmm. not in any way influencing because they're aware of 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 what the <laughs> what the real one is if that makes does that make sense uh, kind of yeah yeah totally i did i didn't i 
was never sure. Yeah, it kind of it kind blind. of takes out any psychological effect, if that makes sense, uh, from from or, the testing yeah, or any kind of uh, from the from the tester or the yeah. person giving the samples may have a preconceived bias, which could influence Absolutely. the person tasting. Absolutely, right. And uh, yeah, and I mean, it would have been great to do it that way because um, I did have some preconceived notions mm. here when I went into this. You know, of course. So, um, but I was shocked at what a difference it actually made. I was, I, I thought, I thought there'd be mm-hmm. some difference. I never expected it to be so dramatic. Okay. So let's and go on. And which one was your we, favorite we, we, though still? The. Well, let's, let's get to the oh, end sorry. of my I'm testing sorry. before we reveal. Jumping ahead. <laughs> so, uh, so next I, um, after looking at the color, I, I tasted the mm-hmm. juice, uh, straight up. And, uh, you know, with a little straw or something. And um, so I found number one with the, um, with the machine. I, I wrote acidic, unappealing, not a very strong taste of lime, right. just a lot of, a lot of acid. Okay. No, so number two with the, um, the hand press but no zest, I, I wrote lime and acid. And number three, I wrote saline, lime, fresh, the most balanced of the three, vibrant. Okay. Ah, so you see where this is going. I now. do. I, I mean, I'm going to judge you for using a straw to taste them, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. As, I, as I was saying that, I was, <laughs> we're, we're we're talking about the uh, sustainability issues uh, uh, for people that were not in on the joke. <laughs> uh, so I uh, made a daiquiri, and uh, so with my here's my daiquiri recipe. Uh, I, so I made the three daiquiris. I made them small because I was making three. So I made I uh, used one ounce of the real McCoy silver rum. Age three years. It's a great choice. Yes. I used half an ounce of the various three lime juices, right? So that was the only thing that was different in the three daiquiris. Mm-hmm. And I used, as per Sasha Petrosky, I used half an ounce to less 10% simple syrup. So uh, his recipe in his book will say, um, for a full-size drink, two, o- two ounces of silver rum, one ounce of lime juice, seven-eighths ounce of simple syrup, which is quite precise, but that's the kind of drink it is. It's mm. got to be balance just perfectly right yeah yeah absolutely i mean the the version i've always gone with was the uh the four two one kind of uh recipe so uh four rum two lime one sugar syrup so generally you'd have that so you get two ounces one ounce half ounce well that's yeah that that'd be a nice uh lime forward one i guess Mm. compared to what i compared to what i did yeah that's i mean that's that's what i've always been told but that maybe that's a uk thing maybe that's based on the palette over here Mm-hmm. Could be. Well, let's. I'm just going on uh, Sasha Petrosky. Yeah, we're not going to argue with Sasha. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, oh, there was an article that just came out. I didn't, I didn't even finish reading it today, or, or I saw it on Facebook or something about uh, about uh, daiquiris, and they went around and had 20 bartenders make them, and they yeah. were rated. So uh, that that's something we'll have to link to in the show notes. Yeah, for absolutely. This. I, I'd like to read that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, here's back to my test. Taste of daiquiris, number one with the machine lime juice, uh, lime flavor, not very pronounced, a little artificial tasting, bitter on the back palate. Mm-hmm. Num- number two, fresher, but a little flat and acidic. Mm-hmm. Number three, sweetest of the three, yet most appealing and complex, fresh and interesting, Adding 0.75 milliliter or 0.4 ounce more lime juice. I used an eyedropper okay. to make it. Uh, it made it perfect. The best of the three by far. Okay. So we like we like the natural hand squeezing with uh, with no no peel removed. 
with the right with the with the uh, essence of the oils, yeah. you know. And I remember reading somewhere that somebody suggesting that you um, actually, uh, if you're using a machine, um, express some oils from the from the zest into your juice and just mix that in. So maybe that's a compromise. Yeah, maybe. Um, no, that that makes sense. I mean, it'd be interesting to see as well if uh, taking some of that peel off to add uh, to add that oil. In, into the machine juice would be a, a good way to do it, like a compromise. But, um, yeah, that's really interesting. Like, I never thought, you know, you, you kind of think these machines are designed specifically to make as good a lime juice as you can do, but no, it's more about speed. Admittedly, yes, you're getting a little bit more lime juice, but if it's no good, what's the point? Yeah, and, it, I mean, it's certainly more time-consuming, or the machine is faster, I mm. should say, you know. So, I mean, there are, you know, there's several advantages to using that machine, I tell you. Yeah, absolutely. But, As I say, we used to use it out in Dubai, and uh, I know on one of the nights, I think I probably mentioned the first time we were uh, on the podcast together, um, we had a bunch of guys parachute into our bar in Dubai, and that <laughs> night I made 180-something mojitos, and... Uh, <laughs> I, I was definitely glad of having that machine knocking around that day. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, uh, of course, you know, what I, uh, the machine that I don't have access to at the moment is um, a hand press mm-hmm. that, you know, sits on the counter and, it, you know, so it's going to be faster and uh, probably more efficient than squeezing it with your hand, you know, so I, I expect. I expect the yield would be better with one of those machines and, and it would be a little quicker as well. Yeah, probably closer to the hand squeezed uh, lime juice flavor yeah well it's the same it's the same same method really you know it's just a bigger machine and you're using more more um, pressure more leverage you know because you have that big handle that you're uh you're pulling on so uh yeah so for that reason i expect you'd get bigger more yield yeah absolutely and uh you might even get more uh, oils out of the, out of the peel, so yeah, might no. be even better. That sounds that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, so those those machines run from that's it's not really a machine; it's a contraption. It's a tool. <laughs> it's a tool. <laughs> a tool. Yeah, hand tool. Uh, it's not motorized, and uh, so I've, I've seen them on Amazon from every anywhere from sixty to a hundred dollars or so. So mm-hmm. that's a worthwhile investment, I suppose. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, I I write here in, in the conclusion. The difference was striking. Method number three produced far superior results over the others. The daiquiri was vibrant, fresh, and complex. Method number one was flat, one-dimensional, and less fruity. It actually smelled faintly of garbage, believe it or not. (laughs) How'd you clean the machine? (laughs) (laughs) I had. Uh, So I say, so it looks like the motorized juicer will be gathering dust in my bar and will be setting the lime juice oils free with the hand juicer. Maybe maybe (laughs) keep it around for New Year's Eve. Yeah, no, I'll keep it around. But (laughs) I did this uh, experiment at home uh, the other day, but I was was trying to get around to it at the bar on on, – Sunday, okay. but I, I just I just got too busy and I couldn't I couldn't follow through with it. But uh, but I had some of each. Um, I, did, I I had some sample of number one and number three uh, lime juice at the bar, and uh, I tell you, once I once I had my my I don't know if it was a preconceived notion or you know once I had my opinion, uh, making drinks with that the machine lime juice just really ma- made enjoy a huge them. difference and. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I'm, and not even a daiquiri, you know, a, high, a, a high, you know, Tom Collins or you know, a high, a yeah, tall yeah. drink, a tall drink, uh, where you wouldn't think it would make as big a difference. Yeah, um, I, I thought that it did. Oh, that's crazy. No, it's it's really interesting to know, to be fair, because obviously everyone, like the big focus uh, for years, has always been on fresh juices, and 
yeah, if it comes from a machine, it's still fresh juice. You know, is mm-hmm. that is that um, you know, people don't think as much about the method as as how quickly it's been made, how recently it's been made, and that sort of thing. If it's been made in house, regardless of the method, are they worried? They haven't been, but maybe they should be. Yeah, I think so. I think it's you know worth talking about. All of these things are worth. You know, exploring for yourself if you if you have a question like this. Yeah. Just you know, it's worth checking out for yourself rather than taking somebody else's word for it. Yeah, absolutely. In the in the Morgenthaler book, um, you know, every everybody always uh, learned in bars that you know if you have a lime that's um, room temperature, you're going to get more juice, and if you roll it on the counter, you're going to get yeah, more juice. Yeah. And so he did an experiment. And it he didn't just like, <laughs> made and no it, difference. It, the actually the cold lime not rolled. Yielded slight, just slightly more juice than yeah. the others. Cool. All right. Really exciting. So that's, well, really geeky anyway. Yeah, sure. <laughs> exciting for bartenders. <laughs> well, the next thing we have to talk about is sustainability. So you brought up a uh, great, you did a great episode recently uh, talking about sustainability. So uh, t- tell us about it. Why? Bartender HQ. Why, thank you, sir. Now, I, I have to give the majority of the, um, uh, the majority of the credit to my co-host Sam on this one. Uh, he is the one that really wanted to talk about it. Over here, I don't know if it's been circulating in the States as well, but there's been this video of a turtle with straws stuck in its nose. And uh, and it's kind of brought things to the forefront quite a lot, certainly in the Birmingham bar scene and, and, and the area around it, which I've now got a lot more uh, interaction with because I've, I've kind of changed my job a little bit i've i've moved on from working with the group of 11 bars that i was working with previously and now i'm actually a liquor rep for the whole of the midlands in the uk so i've got about seven or eight cities that i look after um so i'm in and out of these bars quite a bit and it is certainly something that people are talking about i i mentioned it to a couple of people at the london wine show uh while i was down there uh, a week or so ago and uh and immediately people went oh we're really interested in that and subscribe to the podcast. They'd ne- never heard of it before. Subscribe straight away because they wanted to hear the show that was coming out. And um, uh-huh. it, it, it's become a massive thing. Like the amount of straws that we as an industry, plastic straws that we throw away is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I mean, half of that almost, especially when you come into cocktails, how often do you go into a bar and they're putting two straws in every drink for starters? Mm-hmm. And probably tasting with a third. Right. So every cocktail that's going out of that bar has got three straws in it. And these straws don't biodegrade. They stick around in the environment for hundreds of thousands of years from what I've read online. I mean, some of that could be uh, hyperbole. Some of it, it might not be as long as some of the stuff online says, but they're certainly not designed to break down. And they're more likely to break down into small pieces and then end up in marine life that we potentially eat. Uh, So we're essentially eating little bits of these tiny straws that we keep throwing away. Um, And it was was a really interesting thing to kind of get into the meat of it a little bit and discuss it. And there, there are some really good ideas out there for how we can help work on these things. So there's certain bars in Birmingham that have just done away with straws completely. Uh, they yeah. literally don't use any disposable straws. Uh, there's certainly a lot of other uh, other bars that are now using paper straws, which obviously biodegrade in about six weeks and and 
because they're made of wood essentially <laughs> and and at least <laughs> straws are renewable you know you can grow more trees and uh, and pulp it and make like like paper itself is not one of these things that's a massive massive issue um as i understand because the actual paper industry is planting more trees than it's cutting down now uh, mm-hmm. because of the way that they're, they're trying to manage these forests um, so that's that's a great way for starters. There's more trees being planted than there are being cut down for paper. And that was always the thing of, oh, just consider the environment before you print this or whatever. Um, so paper straws is one way. Uh, there are also biodegradable straws that are actually made of organic plant matter that you can get, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. And they, they look yeah. and feel exactly like a like a regular plastic straw. Uh, a lot of them, they're either making them green or putting a green stripe on them as a little reminder, which I think is quite a nice little touch. Um, But if you want to get to the extreme end of the market, uh, there is a bar in Birmingham um, that's quite hidden. It's it's not what you would probably think of as a speakeasy, um, but it's underneath a craft beer and pinball place. Um, Hmm. I won't mention the name of it because I don't know how public he wants the place to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he uses pasta. (laughs) <laughs> wow. as straws and it works absolutely great it's <laughs> there's uh, just this one drink that they make um that the container that it's served in uh absolutely requires mm-hmm. um that it uses a straw okay uh, and i've seen that there's a few bars around here that are actually like serving drinks in angostura bottles there's a few bars that are using like sardine tins and all kinds of really interesting serves uh, <laughs> and those kind of drinks are going to need something they're going to need a straw of some sort right so it's it's really interesting there's so many bars now that have moved away from using straws i don't know i'm going on about straws there's a lot more that comes into sustainability sure sure oh well there's tons of things you know i mean even though mm-hmm. the uh we were talking about the li- the limes before you know th- yeah. there's still there's waste there as well you know i mean it does mm-hmm. it does break down eventually but you know th- i guess the uh the goal is to really reduce what goes into your uh, trash can or bin, as you say. And uh, so, you yeah. know, ha- have you been to uh, Mr. Lyon's place? The, uh, oh, well, he's, he's got two in London. Yeah. And the one that was, like, super hot on sustainability, where they were literally, like, pioneering all of this stuff, yeah. uh, was, I think, the White Lion. Right. Uh, and then there's Dandelion as well. I always get confused with which one's which. Right. But and, um, yeah, yeah, they were. They, they actually, no... they actually put the entire every bottle, every cocktail goes into a bottle and it's yeah. refrigerated. So they're uh, reducing. Um, they're not, they're not using any ice, you know, yeah, which is absolutely. You know that ice machine takes a lot of energy uh, as well. So that's not that's not good for the environment, you know. And uh, all that, I guess they they'll add water to get to to the proper dilution and then mm-hmm. and then chill it. Uh, so it's never it's never shaken and and uh, you know that, that's another thing that goes literally down the drain is all that ice that we use to shake the drinks and then usually you know we'll we'll strain it into if it's served over ice we'll serve it with fresh ice so you know we're shaking, yeah. shaking it with one batch of ice throwing that down the drain and uh filling glass with fresh ice so there's um there's another spot where there's waste um yeah true yeah. and uh as i understand it as well the the bar had uh four big tall fridges and each one was at a different temperature that yeah. suited individual drinks i found that fascinating that was so yeah when, really when you get really into the into the um nuts and bolts of it like they didn't use any citrus in any of the drinks that's they right, were using yeah. citric acid to yeah. to use for balancing um i believe 
a majority of the spirits were even produced on site. So rather than using, um, rather than buying in the spirits, I think they were throwing away around one like bag of trash a week or something right. like that. Yeah, that's that, from that, the whole bar. Yep, that's what they said. I've got his book here, and uh, wow, yeah, autographed, I might say. <laughs> Very nice, sir. Uh, is this the the perks of uh, tales? This I got a tales. Yeah, there was a there was a Excellent. seminar with uh, Mr. Lion Ryan Chechewadana. He, pretty even close. he can't pronounce his own name. I know, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he admitted <laughs> once he wasn't sure of the proper pronunciation. And so yeah. It's got about 18... It's whatever he wants it to be. <laughs> it's got about 18 letters in it, so... <laughs> yeah. It's just nuts. The, the stuff they've been doing is incredible. Um, but I believe there's a shelf life on that bar now. I think they're, they're opening a new concept fairly soon uh, yeah. to replace that, if, not, if they haven't already. Uh, one of the bonuses of my new job is I get to go down to London quite a lot more, so oh, I will try and find out what they're doing. <laughs> All right, cool. So how's uh, brand life? How's that working out? Yeah, really good, actually. Uh, thank you for the little shout-out for Real McCoy. That's uh, that's one of the ones I'm looking after nowadays Great. over here in the UK. But yeah, it's 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 really interesting. I uh, we, We've got a great range of, of stuff from pouring brands through to, like, seriously artisan stuff. Uh, we were down at a distillery in Bermondsey a week or so ago um, at Jensen's, which is actually in a railway arch. The whole distillery is built into this one railway arch, and they've got a traditional still that's not been built since the 1920s or something like that. And they make probably the best old time I've ever tasted. It's everyone thinks of old time as just being like a sweetened version of London Dry, but it's very, very different to mm. that. By the time they got to the 1840s, where your Jerry Thomas kind of drinks were being made, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's actually just a lot heavier on a lot of the botanicals. Um, it's not. It doesn't come out that much sweeter. But the the earlier old toms that came before that were sweetened because the alcohol itself was so rough. Mm. So so the style of old tom actually changed, uh, and then old tom obviously died out after prohibition, pretty much I think, and has only been recently revived. And it, it looks like people went to an older version of old tom than the version that was being used in these classic cocktails, which is... I thought it was really fascinating. The uh, the managing director there is actually from Milk and Honey All right. uh, in London, which was just one of those iconic bars um, from from the London bar scene. Sasha Petrosky bar. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> and it's just it was just so fascinating to, uh, to hear the stories that went around it and things. We've actually got an American gin and vodka that we look after as well, Prairie Organic. I remember seeing that somewhere. I've never never mm. sampled it. So I've uh, I, I got all my samples yesterday. So I've not even tasted it yet. <laughs> it's still sitting sealed in the uh, in the office. But um, yeah, really, absolutely great great time. And I get to just meet so many bartenders from different areas around the UK. And it's a really interesting market. So while I'm out and about, I'm trying to film a little bit and uh, and show off some of these bars. At the moment, it's more of a case of exploring and meeting people, and then. Uh, down the line, once we start to work a little bit closer with some of these bars, we'll be moving on to having some interviews with people and stuff like that and mm-hmm. getting a little bit more involved in the bar scene over here. Because I think there's there's a lot that's going on in the UK that doesn't happen in other countries um, and, and vice versa. In every market, every market's got its own unique uh, kind of feel and uh, it'd be great if I can help to showcase the UK's market while I'm out and about. Well, that's, being paid that's, to do that's, it. that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, but that's great that you get to see so many different um, styles of bars and different, you know, 
different setups, and uh, mm. that's that's got to be great, great experience. Well, speaking of uh, gin and different styles of gin, mm. next week on the show, we're going to be talking to Tristan Stevenson about his gin book. And Ooh. yeah, you know Tristan, and uh, he's an English bartender. And, okay. And uh, yeah, he has a series of books called The Curious Bartender, and he has mm-hmm. one about gin. So we're going to be talking all about gin, different styles of gin, and uh, apparently it's World Gin Day on um, June the tenth, I think it is. Which uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. So uh, so we'll do an all gin episode next time. That'll be cool. Amazing. He's a he's a he's a smart guy and a great great uh, interview. So, look forward to that next week, everyone. Yeah. So, have you have you already recorded that? Is, I recorded this... the interview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoa! Behind the scenes, this is the magic. Here's Tristan's book and uh, great book. He's got one about one about cocktails, one about gin, one about whiskey, and one that just came out about rum. That's very nice. So he's stuff. he's he's going for the full range, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And he, I tell you, when he when he researches a subject, he does not fool around. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, are there any uh, books that you enjoy recently besides the ones we've mentioned so far? Um, I think the most recent ones, uh, Liquid Intelligence, was one that I read a little while ago. I think you might have mentioned it on the show before. I've mentioned it, but I, I don't. I never fe- featured it as book of the week, and I, I don't have a copy of it either. We'll have to make that the book of the week this week, and I'll do have to make sure I get a copy. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to slowly go through the pages to the, yeah, to the start, Skype camera right here? Yeah. Start. <laughs> start, start with the uh, forward. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a it's a great one. Again, there's there's things in there that I I found really useful. Things about how long to shake a cocktail for, things like that. Um, and he's got. The temperature graphs, he's had temperature probes inside these shakers that are recording the change in temperature over time. And uh, it's it's when you see, like, you, you think of ice as being, like, um, zero degrees Celsius, which is what we're working over here. I don't know what, you, you'll have to translate into Fahrenheit for me. 32. <laughs> okay, so that's freezing point, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, it goes down to almost, like, minus four mm-hmm. in the shaker, even though the ice wasn't that cold because of the phase changes... And but he's but he's basically put temperature probes into the shakers, and and he gives you the whole graph over time. And twelve seconds is pretty much if you stop there from a hard shake, you will get it as cold as it's going to be, with as little dilution as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing that I really took away from that book, and uh, and I've run with since. But there's uh, you know he gets into this kind of stuff that Camper English does over on Alcademics as well about how to make the clear ice and and he's done all the experiments as well so if you're in this experimental mindset you will really enjoy this book yeah yeah well he's yeah he's a he's an intelligent guy <laughs> and uh mm. he, he's uh he's got his own podcast about food um oh, okay yeah so uh yeah I, I i've been once or twice he's a super intelligent guy nice guy but cool. i'll have to I'll get a copy of that book and, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll make that make that the book of the week. He, he, his bar in New York closed recently, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm just, I don't know what he's up to these days. Something interesting, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll wrap it up and then do a, do another show uh, for your for your show. Right? Is that Sounds our good. Is that our plan? 
Well, yeah, well, sounds good to me. Well, why don't you uh, why don't you give a little promo for your show? So yeah, we're going to be doing um, a second show actually on sustainability because it got so many people talking over here that uh, that Sam's come up with a whole list of other stuff that people have suggested. So some of the stuff we're going to be going into is like recycling and reusing of things like glass bottles, cardboard, um, you know, uh, coasters. Um, I even know of one bar that's using the receipts that come off their tills because in their country you legally have to print a receipt uh, for every transaction. So they're saving the receipts that people don't want and they're recycling them into their bar menus. So that's a really interesting kind of way of uh, including some sustainability. We're going to talk about um, some reuse of uh, ingredients. So where we've talked about um, squeezing lime juice, making things like your oleosaccharums, which I know you've mentioned on the show previously. Um, you know, making uh, coffee liqueurs out of uh, spent coffee grounds and things like that. Um, using uh, co- uh, egg yolks to make Advocar-type spirits, uh, because I don't know, we use a lot of egg whites in the bars, but not so much of the yolks. Um, syrups from ales, uh, coasters made out of sweet wrappers. We've got a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to be talking about. Um, and going into this vegware stuff, which is these crazy straws um, that uh, decompose in about 12 weeks. So there's so much to talk about on this. Um, <laughs> one of the things that really makes me laugh is bars that use um, metal straws. Have you seen any of those? Have you, yeah, stateside? a couple of places use them. Now, I'm not worried from a hygiene point of view. That's fine. I know they can clean straws. How are you cleaning them? When they dry them off with blue roll, you're just wasting paper again. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, that's, that's kind of fun. Uh, and the second one is, if you're in anywhere that's vaguely high volume, you're going to get guests knocking their teeth out on these things. <laughs> I'm terrified of them. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. If someone bumps into you anywhere that's, that's vaguely busy, you're, you're in trouble. And, of course, they're all going to disappear. Yeah, absolutely. The Well, I know there's a couple of places over here that actually sell them to the guests and they keep right. their straws, but, um, yeah. All you can do is, uh, you know, get better. We, we can no, do our best. Yep. We'll find the ways. But thank you so much for having us on the show. Oh, my uh, pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. Tremendous. And uh, we'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll do a toast. And uh, I, so I bought a, I do a toast every week at the end of the show, and I, I got tired of searching at the same internet, internet sites and stuff, so I bought this book. It's uh, yep. Toast, over 1,500 of the best toast sentiments, blessings, and graces compiled by Paul Dixon. And I just randomly opened to a page. I haven't even read this yet. Let's see what it says. <laughs> One swallow doesn't make a summer, but it breaks a New Year's resolution. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. We'll That's see you tremendous. next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>